down to why Flutie edge facing back right on. The only podcast taking you under the helmet. Expert analysis breaking down the quarterback play in the NFL each weekend. Don't that feel good when your crowd behind you? Let's give them something to cheer for now. This is Inside the Pocket with your host, Greg McElroy. Welcome in. This is Inside the Pocket. I'm your host, Greg McElroy. Thanks so much for being with us all season long. What a year it was. We are so grateful to all of our loyal listeners for taking the time to join us over the last 17 weeks to fill you in on the world of the quarterback position. I got to admit, I got sick, guys. I got COVID. The last couple of weeks, I've been out, not feeling 100%. Not able to give you guys a breakdown, a comprehensive breakdown of what was going on in the world of quarterback play. And I'm sorry for that. I tried my very best. I had to miss a bowl game, had to miss a whole bunch of assignments, and of course, missed as much as anything spending time with you guys and talking about my favorite position in the entire world. But we'll do the best we can to put a bow on what was a great 2020 season by handing out some superlatives. And we'll be joined by Joel Klatt of Fox Sports here in just a little bit as we will get you ready, at least our end of college football season edition. We'll get you ready for the NFL draft coming up just a few months from now. So we'll talk a little bit with Joel about some of the prospects that we can expect to be seeing quite a bit of starting with the combine. And then of course the pro days, and then ultimately in the NFL draft, let's start though, by looking back before we look forward to everything that's gone on that we can sum up with the quarterback position. Let's start with the MVP. There was an awful lot of discussion about whether it should be Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes. My question to the world of quarterbacks, does it really matter? Honestly, can you go wrong with one or the other? No, the answer is no. Aaron Rodgers led the league in total QBR. He led the league in touchdowns with 48. He had the fewest interceptions of anybody in the league outside of Gardner Minshew, who, of course, meant a decent amount of time, and Tua Tungavailoa, both of which had five interceptions. Joe Burrow also had five interceptions as well, but let's be honest. (laughs) None of those guys played the length of time that Aaron Rodgers did. So by comparison's sake, the only guy that's even remotely close to the interception number is Patrick Mahomes, who finished the season with six. Aaron Rodgers, though, I think, given his supporting cast, given his lack, at least for a little bit of the season, knowing Devontae Adams is out for just a little bit of time, he didn't have a go-to guy for a couple of those weeks, and he didn't drop off. Alan Lazard was at one point his number one wide receiver. Now, with all due respect to Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Aaron Rodgers was outside this world for a vast majority of the year. It's ridiculous. I mean, it really was. It was absolutely ridiculous. Some of the throws he was able to execute, and it sealed it for me when he played in the snow against Tennessee. That was the final straw. That was the last piece that I needed to be able to justify a vote for him for the MVP. That's that's all you need. Look, Patrick Mahomes was sensational. He does things and has more highlight reel plays than any other quarterback 
in the entire league. Yeah, Lamar Jackson might be the most electric with his legs. And Josh Allen has certainly burst onto the scene more on him in just a little bit. But I'm not sure anybody, anybody put forth as consistent an effort as Aaron Rodgers did throughout the course of the 16-game 2020 regular season. And, by the way, Lambeau Field is going to be how you win the NFC. How great will that be? Hopefully it snows 12 inches every single Saturday before he tees it up on Sunday. It's only has to do it twice, but man, be great to see him and Tom Brady on the field, potentially playing for a spot in the Super Bowl in the snow. Forget about it. Not sure we could ask for a whole lot more, especially when considering two of the greatest that have ever done it could be on display. And Drew Brees might be in that mix as well, who bounced back obviously really nicely from the rib injury and is, I think, probably on the cusp of playing his best football here in the next few weeks. The level up award is what I'm going to call it because this guy was a solid player, a playoff quarterback last year, but anybody that suggested that Josh Allen had this in him this soon, I'm not sure a lot of people saw this. I know I didn't, and I have a ton of respect for Josh Allen. Ever since I was in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl a couple of years ago, and it was 22 degrees, felt like 17, and he walked downstairs in shorts, I knew this guy had a little something to him. He did. And he was off the charts good all year. And it's a big reason why a lot of people are late to the party but are starting to hop on the Buffalo Bills bandwagon. Rightfully so. I really believe, really believe there is a possibility that Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, if they tee it up, it's impossible to pick against Patrick Mahomes, especially in the playoffs. I'm telling you, I don't feel bad about Josh Allen's possibilities of pulling off the upset in the AFC championship game. His final numbers, he finished third in the league in total QBR. He, of course, threw for over 4,500 yards, second in the league to Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, of course. But the touchdown-to-interception ratio and the spectacular plays were off the charts good. He actually had more 20-yard completions than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers had only 57, only. (laughs) Josh Allen had 62. And while he was hit, more than both Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers combined, he was very much unaffected by the contact. He bounced back almost every single time and did, of course, sprinkle in some opportunities with his legs throughout the course of the season. Just a tremendous, tremendous year from Josh Allen. Yardage, totals, you name it. He did it all for the Buffalo Bills who are in a great situation. I hate to give it out, but I feel like I have to. It's the Tighten Up Award. We gave it all season long. And we're going to unfortunately have to give a season-long Tighten Up Award to Cam Newton. It was the first couple weeks of the year. And all of us in unison, everyone that covered the sport was like, my goodness, what a relief. Cam Newton is back, folks. You see his performance against the Dolphins week one. Not great. Didn't blow you away statistically. 
but the way he ran the ball, the way he took care of the football, didn't try to do things unnecessarily, completed nearly 80% of his passes, had a low 80s total QBR. We're sitting there thinking, uh-oh, Cam Newton and this Patriots team, they could be a problem. Well, fast forward in the next week, he goes on the road to Seattle. Seattle, for all intents and purposes at the time, people thinking Seattle is the clear cl- clear cut front runner in the NFC. This was week two. Remember, this is a long time ago. This is long before we realized that Seattle had some issues there in the first half of the season on the defensive side of the football. And Cam torched them. Nearly 400 yards of offense on the road, just throwing it. I mean, nearly 400 throwing it, completing almost 70% of his passes. And that was the last of Cam Newton, I'm afraid. From that point forward, they did win the following week against the Raiders, but it was in spite of Cam's performance. It really wasn't that great. And then, of course, he caught COVID and was never the same down the stretch. They did end up winning five of their last nine, which I guess is something to commend, given the fact that he didn't mail it in. They lost close to the Texans, Rams, and they obviously played poorly against the Rams, Dolphins, and the Bills, but they beat the Jets twice. They beat the Ravens, of course, there in Week 10, and they beat the Cardinals and the Chargers, dominated the Chargers. So it's not like they finished horribly, but Cam Newton... They never really won as a result of his performance. If you look at his Jets performance, that was admirable in the final week of the regular season. But coming into that game, he had not done a whole lot through the year or with his legs as the season went along. So disappointing season for Cam Newton. Hopefully he can find a starting gig in 2021, but I'd be highly surprised if that were the case. Next, we're going to give the Rookie of the Year Award. And that goes to who other? Who other? Then a guy that I was not real high on coming into the draft last year is Justin Herbert. I I didn't feel great about him. I really didn't. I thought he was athletic, but stiff. I thought he had a big arm, but needed things to be perfect. I thought he was pretty accurate, but not outrageously accurate. I thought he had a nice deep ball, but I didn't think the deep ball was going to be this incredibly consistent from day number one. Of course, thrust into the starting lineup in week two, unknowingly, because Tyrod Taylor has a collapsed lung as a result of a pregame injection. So in steps Justin Herbert, and he doesn't just play well, but he's playing against Patrick Mahomes and the Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs. His first career start, and he throws for 311 and completes two out of three passes. It's ridiculous. Just kept getting better, though. And if you look at this team, granted, the Chargers finished the year seven and nine. Hardly a great record whatsoever. But we're talking about a guy that got almost no reps. I mean, almost no reps in the preseason. An abbreviated fall camp. And then as a rookie, you're thrust into the starting spot after having taken nothing but backup reps throughout the course of fall camp and you struggle out of the gate going one and seven in your first eight starts. One and seven. Well, things got turned around pretty quickly in week 11 against the New York Jets. And from that point forward, yes, they lost badly to the Patriots. Yes, they got beat badly by the Buffalo Bills on the road. 
but they won their last four games. And they did so in large part due to the consistency and performance that we saw from Justin Herbert. The last four games, that four-game win streak that I alluded to, he had eight touchdowns against just one interception and averaged around 275 yards a game, give or take. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing what he was able to do. And doing so with a pretty dang talented supporting cast. But like I said, a supporting cast he was never able to develop chemistry with throughout the course of the season. I want to give one final award to to Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson quietly had one of the best seasons in the NFL. He led the league in passing yardage. He completed over 70% of his passes, one of only three quarterbacks to do so, the other two being Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. As far as passing touchdowns are concerned, he finished seventh in the league. And then he took care of the football by throwing only seven interceptions. Yes, his team finished four and 12. And yes, they had a really difficult start to the year. But Deshaun Watson is exactly what you want in a franchise quarterback. A guy that won't mail it in under any circumstance. A guy that will keep fighting even when the going is remarkably tough. A guy that even though your head coach gets fired is still a guy that you can count on to rely on every single day. He's a cornerstone. And he deserves an awful lot of credit. When J.J. Watt was calling out his teammates just a couple weeks ago, I can assure you he was not calling out Deshaun Watson. That guy is a superstar. And whoever gets the Houston job, whether it's Eric Bieniemy or somebody else, depending on who gets that job, I think it's the most attractive opening as of right now. Granted, got a lot of issues. On the roster, got a lot of things to iron out, not a lot of draft capital, all kinds of issues. I get all that. But because of Deshaun Watson, you can make a strong argument it's the most intriguing opening. Jacksonville's nice, especially knowing they're going to have the keys to Trevor Lawrence. Got to like the Chargers job as well. Pretty good situation. You're walking into a Justin Herbert, who I just gave the Rookie of the Year award to. But all things considered, you get Deshaun Watson at 25 years old, I like my chances of being pretty successful down the road. He is an absolute game changer. and What a competitor. So fun to watch after he received his massive, massive contract. He went out and earned every single dollar, even though they didn't win as many as he would have liked in 2020. All right, when we come back, we're going to be joined by Joel Klatt of Fox Sports. Talk about some of the draft prospects and more specifically, Justin Fields right here on Inside the Pocket. And with that, we welcome in our guest, the final episode of the 2020-2021 Inside the Pocket podcast. We're so happy to be joined by lead analyst for Fox College Football, also former XFL analyst and does so many different things. I think he covers U.S. Open. I mean, he's done it all for Fox, and we have so enjoyed watching his rise through the ranks over the last couple of years. He's Joel Klatt. So Joel will get kicked off by this. You are right now. I'm seeing you, and I want to describe this hat for the people. <laughs> it's not a Buffalo Bills hat. No, it's but not. But it is Buffalo Bills colors, and it says golf. 
But instead yeah. of the O, it's a buffalo. And it That's is right. probably the coolest Buffalo Bills hat I've ever seen, but it's not the Buffalo Bills. So explain to the listeners what we got working right now, even though they can't see you. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, it's it's this great hat company. And and they're actually pri- they're based in Austin. And they primarily make Texas-oriented stuff, University of Texas stuff. But they have a ton of great golf hats. And, one, and a, their logo has this buffalo on it. So since I played at Colorado, they sent me a ton of them. Because Texas people love me because I got knocked out and got beat 70 to three by Vince Young and the great <laughs> Texas team. So we have like this affinity for each other. And they sent me some of these hats. So uh, check them out, by the way. And I don't normally do this, but they're called Last Stand Hat Company. Um, and they're awesome. And if you're a Bills fan, yeah, I'm looking at it now. <laughs> right. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it works. As a Bills you can hat. see it. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes perfect sense. So Last Stand Hats, I appreciate that. A little plug there. Absolutely. A great looking lid. That's for sure. We want to talk a little bit about these quarterbacks and and you of course have, have studied all of the quarterbacks and will continue to here over the next few months as we lead up to the NFL draft, but there's nobody in college football that knows Justin Fields better than you. Uh, You have called literally a hundred of his games and have seen him up close and have gotten to know him personally I was disappointed. Joel will be the first one to admit I did not like his tape from 2020. I didn't. I didn't think he played well. I thought he forced it in the biggest games. I thought he was trying to, trying to win the Heisman on every throw. But then the yeah. semifinal game happened, and I saw a completely different guy. So help us understand what transpired from the regular season to what we just witnessed in the semifinal matchup against Clemson. Boy, great. That's a great question. Um, okay, so if, if you had been around the first time, let me, I'm just going to give you the long version, if you don't mind. Um, the first time I ever see Justin live in person, it was the first time he's on the practice field at Ohio State. So he transfers from Georgia and he comes in and they're in the indoor facility in spring football. And the conferences that we do a lot of, like, you know, I do a lot of Oklahoma, I do a lot of Ohio State, Michigan, Texas, and the, and the schools that will let me, I go out and to their spring ball and just you know check things out well i i went a couple of years ago and ryan day has just gotten the job right so this is just post dwayne haskins and and ryan and i had become fairly close that year when he was the offensive coordinator so i'm standing there watching practice with him and i'm watching justin throw and i'll be really honest i was like uh i don't know yeah. i don't you know like you can see he's clearly an unbelievable athlete he moves well he's got a strong arm but it wasn't all that accurate and and I'm standing there with, with Ryan, Coach Day, I guess I should say. And, <laughs> and I'm standing there with Coach Day. And I, I, I just made the passing comment. I was, like, I was like, okay, well, you know, a lot to work on there. And he looked at me and he says, a lot to work on. And, and so from that point on, I thought to myself, this is going to be a little bit of a development project, you know, for him. So then he comes into the season. I did seven or eight of his games that first year. I've done, I don't know, four or five this year. And I can tell you that last year I was so impressed with his development, going from that spring practice through the year. I saw him work through progressions, throw the ball down the field really well. And from that spring practice to where he was, even against Clemson in the semifinal a couple of years ago, I thought, boy, he developed so well. I thought this year, to your point, and even Coach Day and I talked about this at length during the season. He was pressing. Remember, the Big Ten probably doesn't play football without Justin Fields, right? Like, 
you can say all you want about like, well, Ohio State was pressing and Coach Day was pressing and, and everyone was was influencing and wanting to play. They did so because of Justin Fields, right? Like he and he played with that weight on his shoulders. Yeah. And and imagine being in what feels like a sprint because the college football season at times can feel like a sprint. And, and I know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like it goes really fast in hindsight. You're like, boy, that was long and hard, but it goes really fast when you're, when you're in it. And so here he is, he clearly is a Heisman candidate. His team he thinks is a national championship level team. And yet they're five games behind everybody in this sprint. So imagine if you're in a 40 yard dash or a hundred yard dash and everyone gets a 15 to 20 yard sprint, imagine like how hard you would be running to try to catch up. That's how he played the position this year. And that's not the way that you play the position. You and I both know that you cannot press at that position. It is not an effort position. It is an execution position um, as opposed to other places on the football field where you can win with effort. So Because of that, I, I thought that he struggled, and and I thought that he held the football way longer than he did the year before because he was trying so hard to make the biggest play possible at all times. Yeah, and and then in the semifinal, um, you know, last week he finally stopped doing that, and I think part of it was that Coach Day finally got to him, and and you know, Coach Day and I have been talking all year about and texting all year about like he was just trying to get. Justin, just play the play for the play's sake. You yeah. can't win a national championship on every snap. You can't win the Heisman on every snap. And I felt like he finally played just within the offense, within the confines of the game plan, and such played his best game last week. It, it was such a sight for sore eyes because the it's what we've been waiting for. But also, I mean, he hasn't my here's my biggest concern with him transitioning to the next level. And this, we kind of think about this from a draft prospect standpoint, I feel like it's just slow. Everything's kind of slow and he's just kind of hitches slow and he, he reads slow. He's just a touch late. I mean, are those things correctable as he transitions to the next level or are there still, is he probably a guy that needs a red shirt year as a rookie before he takes over a team in year number two? Well, I think as, as you know, I think 95% of a young quarterback's success or lack thereof in the NFL has to do with fit. And, um, and, and part of fit is your readiness to play. Um, and, and I, he probably is a guy that would benefit greatly from a really solid veteran quarterback in the room and learning and watching film rather than just, being the guy that goes in and takes the reins for a team. The problem is, is that when you get selected in the top five, you're going to a team that needs you to play right away. And, and I think that that's, that's problematic because he's going to be after last week, he's going to be selected in the top five. I think he's going to be the the second quarterback off the board. And there are times when I would agree with you. And then uh, there are also times when I feel like I see the, the, the more quick twitch. And then I start to wonder, well, is, is, is Tim being methodical, methodical built into that offense? Because there are a lot of things that they do in that offense that 
they will have what's called influence releases by their wide receivers. You know, like for instance, they get in towards the red zone, the 30, 35, the 35, 30, 25 yard line. They put the FSL formation into the sideline. They put the tight end in the, the short side of the field. And then they allow their slot reserve, re receiver to work the safety with an influence release. So he influences across his face and looks like he's running a deep over and then he bends back up straight. Well, that takes a long time. And so they'll have a little bit of a play fake. It's not an RPO. It's a little bit of a play fake. And then he's waiting for that kind of release. And they do that from a matchup standpoint, more so than other college quarterbacks. So, so Greg, yes, you're, you're right. There are some methodical times to his game, but I also think that some of those are built into their system. Yeah. Um, but I can't wait to see. I will tell you this. After last week, I'm not going to doubt the guy. No, you like, can't. He's, <laughs> That's he's, insane. he's insanely right. talented. He threw right. that ball. He threw that ball into tight coverage 61 yards in right. the air. That's insane. Throw. People, here's the thing, Greg. Like, I don't, I don't think people realize how rare that is. <laughs> I couldn't have like, and again, quarterbacks just don't do that. No shot. Yeah, very little chance. I mean, there's no denying how that quickly too. It's not like he had a full outfielder crow hop to try to drive the ball. I mean, you're hitching with your legs underneath. You just got to rip. I mean, but it was, well, it was an incredible he, throw. He, he, he was even kicking or sliding just a touch to his backside yeah you know like a little left and and still <laughs> and he still threw it that far when he threw it i thought to myself there's no shot that right. ball is late it's gonna flutter like this is gonna be an interception <laughs> and then it was right on the money it's amazing it's amazing it's one of those situations where pass on him if and do so at your own peril is, right and that's is like like could you you could you talk yourself in to saying like oh, I don't know you know he, he yes. holds the ball a little he he's on the he holds his eyes on on one man in the progression a little too long yeah like those are those things are going to be evident on the film the problem is is like two years from now if if you're a GM do you really want to pass on the guy with that skill set because you you thought he held the ball a touch too long I don't know it's going to be interesting. It is. What about Zach Wilson? We haven't spent a ton of time on him. I think our listeners are well-versed in Trevor Lawrence, but I know you've studied BYU and I, I'm a real believer in this kid. I fell in love with him a little bit last year, seeing him. I thought he was raw as can be, but he, he definitely developed this year under Brent Grimes, the offensive coordinator and has really turned into a player. What's your, I mean, what do you see from him as an NFL prospect? Um, I, I see him being, in the mold, although different stylistically, but in the mold of an Allen or Herbert, yeah, he can come in and succeed because I think he's physically ready to do so. He made a couple of throws late in the season, one against Coastal that I can remember, um, but he made a couple of throws that I was like, wow, like they're, they're, they were wow throws, tight windows, 15 or more yards down the field. And as you know, that ends up being like throwing the ball 35, 40 yards in the air. You drop back, the wide receiver's 20 yards down the field, you're 10 yards behind the line line of scrimmage, and all of a sudden, you, you have to throw with great anticipation, with great accuracy, um, and, and those anticipatory throws into tight windows with velocity, with the right and correct trajectory, he made a couple of those wow, wow throws for me. I'm a, I'm a big believer in him. I think that he's competitive. I think that he's tough. 
I think he's got the requisite requisite athleticism, which is sort of becoming now a prerequisite in the NFL is that these guys right. have to be able to run it a little bit. So I, I like Zach Wilson. I, I will tell you, I have an affinity for Kyle Trask. Really? Like, yeah, I do. Wow. I, I didn't see that coming. I, there's, there's something about his game that I, when I'm, when I'm watching him, I'm like, that translates to me, right? Like the, some of the throws that he makes, the styles with which he does it, the timing with which he throws. I, I might be, I might be off base here, but I really like Kyle Trask. Interesting. Wow. I'm, I'm shocked by that. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan. Then it's not because I don't think he's a great story. I just think he's a little limited. I'm not all that dissimilar mm-hmm. to actually his, his unwillingness to kind of just play with uh, any level of Twitch concerns yeah. me. I'm trying to think of a good comparison the last few years. He has a, a much, much weaker arm than Ryan Mallett, but kind of like that a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Arkansas. Better, obviously, less off the field things to consider at that point. But, <laughs> but also, hey, hey, I mean, but a guy that is going to make your roster better. I don't know if he's a starter, Joel, but you're not going to be upset that he's in your organization. He's going to study. He's going to prepare. If he's your starter, he'll prepare to start like a pro's pro. Same thing as a backup. This guy has earned everything that he's gotten. I just don't know if he's got the upside. I'm surprised that you're on board with him. I, you'll have to, full disclosure here, I, I was not on board with Herbert or Allen. And now when I see their success, I, I, I will tell you, I'm just not as nitpicky this year. Yeah, I'm like, you know what? Maybe it can translate. You, know, you never know. It's like, right. because I thought like last year I was, I was the idiot that's like, I wouldn't take Justin Herbert with a first round pick. And it's because like he was limited in that offense. I don't know if it was Arroyo didn't know what he was doing at Oregon. I don't know what it was, but like I, I broke him down before the USC game. I did the USC game. Like I just didn't love his game. I just didn't. I thought it was incredibly limited. And then watching him now this year, and, and he jumps off the screen. Um, another guy, uh, this might surprise you as well. Dude, Mac Jones makes five incredible throws a game. Yeah. I'm on him. I like him. I really like him as a prospect. And it took me a his, little while. His touch, Greg, is as good as I've seen, it's, it's as good as I've seen in a long time coming out. Like his ability to throw, I call it the layered pass. It's yeah. kind of that, and whether it's before the back of the end zone or before the safety, uh, his ability to throw with timing and touch over the middle is like really uncanny. He's accurate. One of the reasons why, and this is, you know, and I voted for Devonte Smith as, as my Heisman, but one of the reasons why Devonte was able to, or waddle when he was healthy, and you know this more than anybody, I don't even get a chance to cover Bama, but those guys get the ball in stride. Yeah. I, they like, do almost more than anybody else in the country. No, you're right. You're right. I, I've, I've been so impressed with him. I think he should come back just because I think he does have Joe Burrow upside potential. I mean, we're talking about a guy that hasn't played a ton of football. I don't know if he will 
because the supporting cast won't be the same. But I do think he's a guy that could be a top 10 pick a year from now, knowing that it's basically Keaton Slovis next year. And then it's anybody's guess. I really don't know for 2022 drafts. I don't know if you've studied any of the guys, but there's it. I have no idea who's going to go in the top five beyond outside of Keaton Slovis. He's the only one that is, I think is a lot. Is Brock, I haven't even seen, is Brock Purdy coming back? He should at Iowa State. I, I totally Hard- agree with you. I don't totally agree with you <laughs> that he should. But who knows these days, these kids, man. I mean, like guys declare, and I'm like, you're a UFA all day long. Right. No, but hey, got to get to hey, sell that second contract, Joel. Come on, it's Joel's second contract. Got to start the clock. Can't tell you how much we appreciate the time, my friend. I wish we could do it for another half hour and just talk about these quarterbacks and all the different circumstances that could Wait, Real quick, Trey Lance, what What do you think? Too early, way too raw, I think. But not he, everyone's going to be looking for the next Josh Allen. He's the closest one. That's, right. the, that's the crazy thing is his athleticism and he's got a massive arm. He's the closest one. And I... I will be so uncomfortable going out and saying, this guy's a, he's going to be a dude. I'm just, he's going to be a guy, but I'll eat crow every, the rest of my life. I know it. Cause he's probably going to be a stud. Like, I, so, <laughs> I think I've been, I've been bullied into every quarterback. It's going to be amazing this year after my Herbert <laughs> take last year, they're going to be asking me about anybody. I'm like, Oh yeah. Love it. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll be on record. I'll be on record. I was very skeptical of Justin Herbert as well. Uh, so I've, I've, I was uh, right there you. with you and I've taken thank some, you. I've taken some bombshells as a result. Joel, so appreciate the time. Hey, congrats on a great year. And we look forward to following you wherever your journey takes you next. I'm sure it's probably going to be a golf course somewhere very warm here in the near future, my friend. Uh, yes. And then next fall, probably back to Columbus for another eight <laughs> Just move in, move, just join at Jack's place and maybe Urban's house will be up for sale. There's rumors he might be heading to Jack's. <laughs> So bad, buy a place there and you That's got a right. second home right there. And listen, in, uh, if, in I move into, Ohio. if I move into urbans, I'm going in rent free. There's no doubt. You might need to adopt a couple more families because that place like 13,000 feet. I don't know if anyone needs that much house, <laughs> but maybe you could fill it up. Who knows? Joe, we appreciate it, man. Appreciate it, bud. Have a great day. See you, brother. That'll do it for us here on Inside the Pocket. For Andrew Emmer, I'm Greg McElroy. Thanks so much for being with us throughout the course of the 2020 season. We so look forward to being back in 2021. And you might want to check in every once in a while. We might drop a pod every once in a while just because we're going to have to break down some of these prospects. We're going to have to do it. The NFL draft is just a four months away. And we're not going to have you flying blind into what should be a game-changing draft as far as the quarterback position. I think it's the deepest quarterback draft I've ever evaluated. That's saying something, too, because there have been some serious, seriously good drafts in the last decade, but I think this might be the best one because if you can find a starter in the beginning of the second round and that starter could be a top-five pick next year if he sticks around, you're going to find some really, really good value. So we will drop a pod from time to time, and remember... You can always download Inside the Pocket wherever it is you get your podcast, and you can always check us out on the SiriusXM app. For Andrew Emmer, I'm Greg McElroy. Hope you have a wonderful offseason. Check in with us soon here on Inside the Pocket.
SiriusXM Podcasts.